Hey, it's Beth here, episode 453. So it's Sunday, I was reading the New York Times, and I was I had some things, but then I came across this. To help rescue stolen Picasso, he needed his dad. And I thought, you know what, it's Father's Day. And I was married to a great father. Kit was wonderful. I mean, so wonderful that we even lost one of our sons and we've both never blamed each other. He did everything he could. Sometimes it was out of control. People didn't do their homework. Things happened, you know, teenage things. We both always gave everything we had and we loved him. And so it is an amazing thing to be a father. It's an amazing thing to be a mother too. But these stories are for fathers. This one, oh my God, this poor guy. Okay, so he's this father, right? And he's got these two boys. And they're they're rambunctious. Translation, they're horrible. They're so out of control. They do awful things in the town. He took his son and he goes, you gotta find a hobby. So he helped the son get coin collecting. Got him all the books, made it great. And then he found out from the police that he was looting parking meters for his coin collection. That's how bad this guy was. The other guy, for some reason, got addicted to pens and started pilfering pens from Woolworths. It got so bad that he got busted twice. The second time, the father said, you're not going into a store for a year. The mother had to bring pants for him to try on out into the parking lot. The dad tried everything with these kids. They just were bad. Finally, he gets them both to go away to school. The town cheers. They never stop stealing. And the first one gets a job and he moves away. And the second son gets a job in Boston at the airport after he's given time to the Coast Guard. Okay, so that's pretty good. One day, there is a hundred year storm in Boston. The airport is shut down. Cargo deliveries, passenger flights, everything is stopped. This kid, this kid, the younger of these two sons, steals a crate. He's working at, he's working in cargo. Just puts it in his stupid trunk of his 62 Chevy Impala, okay? goes home, prize it opened. It's got a Picasso in it. What a jerk. He said the artistry underwhelmed him completely. He said, not a Wyeth. Let's just put it that way. So he's in so much trouble for a stupid Picasso that he doesn't even like. He calls his wife, Sam, to come home from work. Sam, he met while he was in the Coast Guard. She had been happily, happily, a bowling alley bartender. She got her name because all the guys at the bowling alley would say, play it again, Sam, and she'd make him another drink. Her real name was Evelyn, and every time they scratched, they called that shot an Evelyn. She was happy there. Sam takes her away from her life. They move to Massachusetts, and he steals a Picasso. She says, I don't even want to see it. Stick it in the back of your closet and call your brother. They call the brother. The 
brother's like, oh my God, this is a job for Superman. We gotta call dad, the fixer. He got us out of so much trouble when we, when we were young. He's the only person we can, I can think of that can help us. They call dad. Dad's like, you got two choices here, son. He goes out to the guy's house. I'll be there in an hour. Goes to the son's house. He goes, here they are. First choice. You could bury the Picasso in the foundation of the restaurant I'm building now. The name of the restaurant is called The Silent Woman. That'll work for us. And 30 years from now, when I'm dead, you can, you can unearth it and maybe sell it for a small fortune. Or, and he looks this kid square in the eye, you can return it. The kid cowers under the gaze of his dad. He said, okay, I'll return it, dad, I'll return it. Dad says, okay, then I'll help you. So this is what the dad did. The other son was back in New Orleans. He called up the son and he said, listen, this is what you're gonna do and do it right. Gave him a detailed instruction for a handwritten note that could not be traced. Use high-end stationery. Since you're left-handed, write with your right hand. And since you're studying creative writing at that dumb school I'm sending you to, make it real artsy, real artsy. Then send an airmail back to your brother in Medford. Okay, dad, I'll do it. Okay, dad, just do it. And, and then I'll let you stay in that dumb school. Okay, dad. Days later, the ice cream king of Waterville, dad, arrived in Medford with his wife, Anne. She's scared to death. She doesn't say a word, but she has bought him a new trench coat, gloves, and a brimmed hat. They take him out of the box. Dad says to his son, rub Vaseline all over that crate. The son's like, why dad? Just do it. Like dirty Harry, this dad is on fire. Okay, dad, I'll do it. Kid doesn't ever know. Years and years later, 60 years later, why Vaseline? No idea, but he did it. Then dad attached the handwritten note. He donned, now that's how we talk when we're talking Raymond Chandler. He donned the trench, co trench coat, the brim tat, and the gloves. And he said to his son, it's go time. Okay, so what happened next? They chose, that happened to be April Fool's, which he thought would be perfect. Okay, so what they did was the father and son went downtown, Boston, called a cab. They loaded the purloined. Now we're trying to sound like the scarlet, though, yeah. I can't remember. Somebody great. We're trying to sound like somebody great. Okay, so Anyway, okay, so I can't get over it. Edgar something, okay? Edgar Allan Poe! Okay, we're trying to sound like that. Okay, they loaded the purloined Picasso into a Chevy Impala, his 1964 Chevy Impala. I don't write this stuff, I'm just reading it. The older dad loaded the painting into the taxi, handed the taxi driver a $20 bill, which was a lot of money a long time ago, and told him to deliver the package to the Museum of Fine Arts. It was just down the avenue. He returned to his son's car, and on the drive back to Medford, he tossed the coat, hat, and gloves in separate garbage cans. Wow. So what happened next was news wires 
services all over the country. We're interviewing Perry T. Rathbone. Can you believe that? I would have made up that name. The museum's esteemed director, Perry T. Rathbone. Great name for a museum director. Posing with both the recovered Picasso, that was worth an estimated $75,000, and it's worth many millions today. And the note which read, this was what that father paid for that stupid art school. This is what this kid comes up with, right? It says, the note, please accept this to replace in part some of the paintings removed from museums throughout the country. It was signed Robin Hood, R-O-B-B-I-N. That's the little mark for the G, Hood. So it's Robbing Hood. Kid thinks he's clever. Dad's probably like, what a dumb note. Anyway, the note works. A few days later, that dumb kid's back on the dock at Logan Airport, and his boss comes up to him in a hurry, shakes him, kid's almost dying, and he says, they found it. It's over. They're not coming back to talk to us. The kid goes, phew. Okay, so that is how that happened. And then, years later, the kid who stole it is like, I wonder who, where that picture is now. So years and years later, after his father was gone and everyone was gone, he tried to find out where the Picasso wound up. It wound up in Sydney Cole, who is 92 and lives in Palm Beach, and he's part of the Cole Department Store family. He bought it years ago. They're not saying if they still have it. They're not saying they don't. But he gave millions. No, he didn't give anything. He sold millions and millions of dollars worth of art at an auction. But that was not one of the pieces, so it's probably still in his home. But he doesn't want to say that, right? Okay. So what happened next is that the, fa the, the father was worshipped by these boys for the rest of his life and referred to as the, the ice cream king of Waterville, Maine. That's some dad. I mean, he's a helicopter dad if I ever heard one, but still, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Kid's such an idiot. Um, and the mother, was the mother proud or was the mother not told? I have no idea, but whatever. The kid lived his life, never got in trouble again, and neither did the other boy. They just never got in trouble again. They let their dad win. It was over with all of their larceny. So here's this other story that I love because it's the sun being so great. Okay, so it's the story, how my father and I drew a new life, so sweet. Okay, when this kid was 13, his mother was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is a terrible disease. By then, she couldn't drive, get dressed, or walk by herself. Dad became her caretaker. But she was never appreciative. When she rang the buzzer, he never got there fast enough. When he brought her a glass of water, there were never enough ice cubes. He wore long sleeves, in the, even in the summer, because she scratched, scratched his arms in anger when he was helping her in the bathroom. I can understand that, although it's really sad. He had friends, but he had to leave and go to Florida because she couldn't stand the snow and she needed a one-story house. That's when the son started to get involved. He got worried because his dad lost everything, 
all he had was his friends. But the son remembered, hey, that he used to be a great artist. And he stopped, and even when he was a little boy, he knew that, because some of his work would be in museums and in libraries. When the mother got sick, he's, it all came to a halt. But the kid remembered. So when the mom was sent to an assisted living facility, the kid, he's a writer in LA, came down to be with his dad just to see how he was doing. And he was bereft at the bedside all day, every day. He was walking up and down the aisles, this kid thinking, what am I gonna do? He was just wandering around the aisles and then he heard a patient yell at a nurse that he was being micromanaged, being micromanaged. And he had an odd thought. Do one-celled organisms under a microscope complain about being micro micromanaged? He scribbled it in a notebook because he's a writer. When he returned to his mother's room, she was napping. And he said to his dad, Hey, Dad, I got this idea, and I wonder if you could do a single panel of the cartoon with this caption. Dad just looked at him. He was not much of a talker. The mother's kind of overbearing personality put him in his shell. It was so bad that even when he taught the son how to drive a car, the son said, Dad, is it more important to concentrate on cars ahead or cars behind? His father just looked at him and said both. That's all he said on the whole learning. You know, how do you drive? Never said a word. Okay, but that's how the guy was. He gave no definitive answer about the cartoon query, none. He asked him again, Dad, would you? Dad said nothing. But, kid goes back to LA. About a week later, his computer pinged with an email from his 80-year-old father with an attachment. I downloaded the file and there it was, the micromanaging cartoon that I'd asked for. The positioning of a one cell scolding the other cell to move your membrane to the edge of the slide, please, now, was just as he described it to him. His style was reminiscent of the 50s, crisp, simple lines with no wasted energy. In other words, it was perfect. They began doing four or five cartoons a week. We'd come up with crazy ideas. But the dad said, look, no curse words, no religion, and no politics. Comic book heroes were his favorite. So he came. So the son came up with something very cute. Superheroes when their moms are around. So adorable. Here's what a typical email idea from the father would look like. We'd see a person drowning in the ocean yelling, Help me, Aquaman! Help me! Help me! Aquaman, with his mother by his side, would be on the edge of the sand yelling back, Sorry, I just ate. I can't go in the water for about another hour. Is that right, Mom? My mother even enjoyed these cartoons. She died very soon after, but they had laughs together. Father couldn't believe he made his, his wife laugh. After the funeral, son got really nervous about his dad because when you're really old and your spouse dies, you got two choices. You give up on life or you reinvent yourself. This kid was gonna make him reinvent himself. So he put the cartoons on social media and he put, then he put them on a website. 
the ideas started flowing and dad really enjoyed that other people were seeing them. They tried to get them in magazines. The kids' life's work dried up. No jobs in Hollywood, no magazine work, and he lost his job on television. It was the worst financial hit, hit and the kid's in a creative slump. So here's what I think, okay? I think dad, 80-year-old dad, is looking at his loser son, floundering son, who can't make a career in Hollywood. And he's excited that the son is excited that they are doing something. There's two sides to this story. All we see is the son's heroic actions, but I see the father's heroic actions. He's doing this for his son too, I think. So even though they were 3,000 miles away, he felt that he'd grown closer to his father than he ever had been before. Yay, dad, that's what every dad wants when you're like 80. Occasionally he would even pitch me ideas. They never had a punchline. See, the dad's like, I'm pitching an idea, but I'm not as good as you are, son, right? I mean, he wants to keep this kid afloat. The art mo motivated his father in other ways too. He joined Overeaters Anonymous, a gym, several book clubs, and he even started dating. Drawing gave him confidence. That's what this kid is saying. I think it's so great that he never let on that he was doing it for the kid. The kid thinks he was the hero. I love it. Okay, so this is the other thing. They, he started dating. Dad started dating. I'm, I'm thinking he's doing this for his kid. Like they're running out of ideas. And dad's like, what can I do? Oh, Overeaters Anonymous, we didn't come up with any jokes. That's bad. You know, uh, even my, you know, yoga class doesn't turn him on. He can't think of anything. Book clubs don't get him excited. The gym doesn't get him excited. He said, I bet if I start dating, this kid will come up with ideas. So the kid did bad blind dates. And the kid's really proud of this one. A porcupine seated at a restaurant across from a balloon twisted in the, in the shape of a dog. That is cute. Short, shortly after the 85th birthday, dad gets a heart attack. He's in the hospital snoring. And there on the food tray is all the food. But he spotted the napkin. Son spotted the napkin with some doodling on it. The caption said, surgical luxuries. <laughs> surgical luxuries? Messy picture could not decode the joke, but it gave the kid an idea. Dad, how about we do this cartoon? The world's worst cardiologist. Then we see a doctor operating on someone, holding their damaged heart aloft, aloft as if it were a trout saying, this heart looks terrible. Good thing everyone's got two. Dad laughed, this kid. 11 days later, he drives dad out of the hospital. First thing they did when they got back to the house, the dad dropped everything, ran with his oxygen tank over the drafting table. The day of his heart attack, he'd been working on a cartoon <laughs> about how it was impossible to tell who was the better air harmonica player. These two, what a team, with two men each holding their hands, sans instrument, up to their mouths. My father was determined to finish it that day, which he did, even when his plastic oxygen cord and drawing had become entangled. I love this. As my father's strength returned, he was over the moon about cartooning. He often carried a folder of his favorites to his friends at the, po at the post office, at silver sneakers, yoga class, everywhere. For decades, his art muscles had atrophied, but he had built them up 
And now he was like a teenager, enthusiastic again. You know what dad's saying? He's looking at his 45-year-old kid saying, you're a teenager, enthusiastic again. They're both taking care of each other. This is the craziest part of the story. Then that April, he felt lightheaded with odd heart palpitations. The kid, something that as a devout exerciser, of course he lives in Hollywood, he can't have any fat, I had never experienced. I went to the doctor who sent me to the hospital where I wound up spending the night. The next morning, seconds after I had checked my email, five nurses rushed in. My resting heart rate had spiked to 187. They assumed I'd had a heart attack. I explained, no, 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 no. I just received an email saying that my father and I had sold our first cartoon to the New Yorker. That's the Taj Mahal. That's praise from Caesar. This kid, this kid is great. His father's, I'm sure his father's so excited. The nurses didn't understand the magnitude of the situation. But let me tell you what, this guy's 90-year-old dad does. He helped this guy find a life for himself. Everything he tried failed. Wait, this kid doesn't even see that he's writing this story like this. You have to be our age to see it. After nearly a year of waiting, and almost a dozen years since my father and I started collaborating, our first cartoon appeared in the magazine two months ago, three weeks before my father's 90th birthday. He may well, very well, be the oldest first-time cartoonist in the New Yorker magazine history. I would put money on that bet. He is now painting, drawing, and talking so much I have to pretend I'm getting another call to escape his exuberance. If he were to ask me whether I was prouder of the cartoon or of him turning his life around, I would say both. That's such a great story. That's such a great story. They were both taking care of each other. Both. Both. Wow. It's just so great. The kid has a career too. And he's right. He's written this story and the New York Times and it was accepted. Big long story, big banner on top. Dad, 90, you gotta be thrilled. The kid's okay. He's got a job. You did it. That's a great Father's Day story and that is what every father wants. That's what every mother wants. Just to know they've got a job, they've got friends, they're gonna be okay. They're doing what they wanna do. And this kid is doing what he wants to do. It's my favorite Father's Day story ever. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And as the mothers out there, we should give them a big kiss because they really are, I don't know, the magic, half of the magic of parenting. So I'll be back and both. Just a great story. Bye-bye.